This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. That first kind of section of fasting is all about hunger. Maybe you gave up social media and you're realizing, man, I, I just, every time I open my, my phone, I just tend to go to Facebook. Or maybe it's that you gave up something that, that was something that you tended to do all the time. And you're just realizing, man, that's something, that's, I do that way too much. Have you ever noticed that hunger shows us something? As a matter of fact, I would say this morning that our hunger points us to heaven. See, a lot of times we don't think about that. We don't think about things that we might imply are slightly negative or uncomfortable, that they could point us to the good things in life. I believe that, honestly, I believe that when we experience hunger, it is pointing us to something that is much better than food. It's pointing us to something that's much better than the stuff that we've decided to abstain from. I would, I would say today that, that the first thing that our hunger should do is our hunger should remind us to be hungry for God. Right, so, so as I've kind of navigated the first few days, maybe, maybe it's that you gave up social media and you're just kind of, that's where I go, that's where I go. That hunger really should apply not just to food. We should desire the Lord and the things of God the most. I, I love the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness where they will be filled. See, see the thing about, about everything that we hunger for, except for God, it, we hunger for food, we hunger for attention, we hunger for uh, some sort of affirmation, all of those things. We can hunger for those, but they will always leave you unfulfilled. But Jesus says if we will hunger and thirst for righteousness to be the right person that God created, if we will hunger and thirst for God, then we will be filled. Right? So our hunger points us to the ultimate hunger that we should experience, which is a hunger for the things of God. But then I also think that we need to be reminded that there are some things that we experience in this life that we won't experience in the next I mean, sometimes when I'm going through a difficult season and it's trying, I'm just reminded that this is just a temporary home. This is not my home forever. This is just a temporary experience. It's kind of like setting up what will last forever. This is that place where all of that is being cultivated and grown in my heart and in my spirit that will last for eternity. See, heaven isn't hungry. The Bible says in Revelation Chapter 7, when speaking about, about heaven, that they will never, those who are there will never again be hungry and thirsty. And if you're in here and you're in a season of mourning, you're in here and you're in a, a season of difficulty, I just want you to understand that sometimes those negative, there, there's some good things in that pain. And it points us beyond this temporary existence to something that lies for us eternally. Maybe you're hungry today. I pray that as we go through this message, we would see what God has for us today. We're 
in a series that I've called Relentless. It's a word that's going to kind of stamp and brand our year. And last week as we kind of kicked off this message series, I, I broke this word down for you. I want to do that today as we get started. The word is relentless, but it's three parts to it. The first part means re, which is to do it again. A remix is to do a song, to mix a song again, right? To repeat is to say it again. But re, re means to do it again. Now, now, Lent, Lent is a, is a form of the verb to lend. It means to give up, right? This is where we celebrate a season of Lent, which is where Jesus gave up his life. Now, now for us, most of us, a lot of our lives have been lived in those first two parts, to give up again. There's some of you, you have the same New Year's resolutions you had last year because you gave up on them last year. You're going to clean out your garage last year, but you didn't. You're going to lose a little weight last year, but you didn't. And you got that same New Year's resolution. Why? Because you gave up again. But the end, less, just redefines the nature of this word. Less means to be without. To be without. To, To be without giving up again. To be that person that refuses to give up on the things of God. What would your life look like if you refused to give up on everything that Jesus purchased for you? His life, his blood, they were laid down as a ransom for you. Jesus purchased you, and he purchased things for you. And what would your life look like if you refused to give up on those things? There's some in this room today, I want you to think about this. There's some you you know that there are there are portions of your life that have been lived far away from the desires of God. And while you keep trying to get it right, you keep failing. There's a there's a component of you that just wants I how, what would it what would it look like if you refuse to give up on God's forgiveness? For some of us, we live with a perpetual sense of anxiety and stress. Everything stresses us out. We go to work and we get stressed. We come home and we get stressed. We look at our bills and we get stressed. We look at our family and we get stressed. What would it look like if you refused to give up on the peace that Jesus bought for you? Freedom. On the cross, Jesus paid for your freedom. You were a slave to sin. You are enslaved to sin. And Jesus said, I will give up my life as a ransom to buy you out of that slavery so that you can be free. What would your life look like if you refused to give up on the freedom that Jesus purchased for you? And every person in this, every person in this room was made for a purpose. God has a purpose for you. He made you specifically, uniquely with talents and giftedness and personality that can uniquely do things that nobody else can do. What would life look like if you refused to give up on that purpose? I think we need to be reminded of this a lot. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not get tired of doing what is good. For at just the right time, at just the right time, would y'all say that with me? At just the right time, one more time, everybody, out loud. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. If we do not give up. Notice it says just the right time, not at your time. Not at the time that it's the most convenient or comfortable. 
but at just the right time. And who determines what's right? The just God that we serve determines what's right. You know, as I was thinking about this this year, I was reminded of a story. It came in 1979, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard uh, fought Roberto Duran. At that point in time, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard was a world champion, and he put his belt on the line. They had a title fight, and he lost to Durant. Now, he described Durant as one of the meanest, most kind of uh, difficult fighters that he ever He said when they were, they were in the ring, he would just, he knew the names of your kids, and he would say the most awful things about your kids and your family. And he, would just, he would just get in your mind. And in that first match, I mean, Sugar Ray Leonard was owned, and he ended up losing. But five months later, they met in a huge title fight in 1980 in the Louisiana Superdome. As they, they fought in the Louisiana Superdome, it, it went into the late rounds. And around round six, Sugar Ray was just prepared for it, and he was, he was showboating and, and having some fun with Roberto Durant. And all of a sudden, the crowd started to laugh. It started to laugh as, as Durant seemed to be losing the fight and, and, and Leonard seemed to be asserting himself. And, and in round seven, as, as Sugar Ray Leonard would describe later, the, the laughs started to escalate. And in, in round eight, the laughs began to kind of hit crescendo levels throughout all of the Louisiana Superdome. Until in one fateful moment, Durant backed up, looked at the referee, and in his native tongue of Spanish said, no mas, no more. It, I mean, decades later, Duran was an amazing fighter, held world championship titles, but he is remembered for giving up. He's remembered for giving up. See, I think some of us in this room we have defined ourselves in our existence by giving up. Because the truth is, is that we often give up. Have you noticed that about yourself? I've noticed that about me. We give up. God gives us a vision. We get a, a, a kind of a course of action. And, and then there's some things that kind of cause us to give up. Let me give you three of those. These are in your notes today if you're taking notes. The first reason we give up is we give up when the journey gets tough. We give up when the journey gets tough because at the beginning, man, all vision seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. It seems like it, some of y'all had that vision this year, man, I am going to get in shape. I'm going to lose that 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds, whatever it is, wherever you're at. And then you went to the gym one time and then you got home and you woke up and you're like, I cannot move. What happened to me? We give up when the journey gets difficult. See, vision always seems easy before it becomes work. And I want you to listen to this. All right, if you have vision but you don't have work, all you have is a dream. Because all vision requires work. And there's some of us that we're just dreamers. We don't really have vision because we've never been willing to put the work behind the vision. See, there's this 
idea. I think, let's use the gym. Imagine you were at the gym. You were kind of coming out after working out, and there was somebody yelling at the person working at the front desk, I want to get a refund. Why do you want to get a refund? Well, you promised me that I would get muscles coming here. You promised me I would lose weight coming here. You promised me that my, my heart would be healthier, that my lungs would be healthier, that I would sleep better, that I would feel better. And I don't. I don't feel better. And the person behind the, let me check this out. Let me look at this. I pulled up. Well, sir, you've been a member here for three months, but you've only been here once. That's right. I came once, and I got so sore it wasn't fun. I didn't want to come back. Well, sir, you didn't do the work. This membership only opened up an opportunity for you to do the work. It gave you vision, but you have to put the work behind the vision, or it's just a dream. See, if you don't work the vision, the vision won't work. And some of us need to be reminded of that because we get into the difficult season of life and all of a sudden we give up on something because it got a little bit more difficult than we thought it would. You know, the second reason we give up is we give up when things don't go our way. We give up when things don't go our way. Because at the very beginning of every journey, it is so easy to craft our own series of expectations. We write our own internal script. This is how this is going to work. This is the way this is supposed to go. These are our expectations, which is why in the middle of it, when things get hard, all of a sudden we find ourselves saying, that's not fair. It isn't supposed to be like that. This isn't how it should go. And we give up when things don't go our way. And I think some of us in, internally, we, we write out a plan, maybe a script, as to way the, the way the vision of God is supposed to fall and work in our lives. And I want to ask you a question. If you're that person and you're in here and you find your, yourself often saying, this isn't how it's supposed to be. This isn't the way it's supposed to go. This is unfair. Maybe you're the person that writes that script, that has that internal plan, timeline, all those expectations. But what's your hope in? What's your hope in? Is your hope in your way to God's vision? Or is your hope in the vision that God gave you, believing that God is the only one that can take you there? See, far too often I think that our hope doesn't reside in God. It actually resides in our plan. It resides in our script, which is why we get derailed when things don't go our way. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says this, that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. When you're in the middle of the journey and it gets difficult and it goes off script, I want you to understand that if your hope is not in your plan, your hope is not in your script, if your hope does rest in the Lord, even when things go off script, you will find strength in him. Some of us need to be reminded of that today. Because we give up when things don't go according to our plans. And then number three, number three. We give up when it takes too long. 
We give up when it takes too long. Now, I know I'm not going to do a straw poll in here as to who would describe themselves as a patient person. I'm not really that patient. All right. But think about it. How many of us struggle when things seem like they're not, you know, we get in the middle of trying something new and all of a sudden the thing that we were trying to get better, the thing that we were trying to improve, it, it just doesn't go the way that we think it will. And all of a sudden it seems to be weeks or months, maybe even years later, and we're working, we're still working on the plan, but we're not seeing the fruit that we expected. So many of us jump ship When the timeline that we set doesn't meet the expectations of reality. I want you to think about this, about what patience is. Patience is refusing to create your own timeline for God's blessings. Patience is refusing to create your own timeline for God's blessings. It's willing, it's the willingness to look into the heart of God and say, God, whenever you want to, whenever you're willing, God, I'm going to continue to work on what you've asked me to work on. I'm not going to grow weary in it. I'm going to find my strength in you, and I'm going to wait on you to do what only you can do. Because if I try to do what only you can do, it will never be as good as what you could do. I love how Romans 12, 12 kind of brings all of these together. It says, be joyful in hope. How many of y'all, we, we might hope, but we're not joyful in it, right? We get in the middle of that difficult season. We get, we get, a, little, we get a little cantankerous, don't we? Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I think we just need to be reminded every once in a while that Every time we give up on God, we give up on what God wants for us. Maybe this season, what God wants for you is as simple as improving your relationship with your spouse. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. There are going to be challenges to that. Maybe, maybe this, this season, what, what it, it's just working on your financials, right? Getting a little bit more disciplined in the way that you spend money. Maybe it's the way that you kind of navigate your time. Whatever it is, there's going to be tensions in there. But every time we give up on what God has for us, we give up what God has for us. When it gets difficult, when it doesn't happen our way, when it doesn't happen in our time, we're not just giving up on a process. We're not simply escaping a little bit of pain. We're giving up what God purchased for us when he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. Some of y'all might not realize this, but it's pretty easy to give up. Some of you might have already given up, and you might not know it because you would argue, but I'm still doing it. I'm still working on it. And I want you to see today that we often give up before we actually think we've given up. So how do we give up? Look at this. If you're taking notes, I'd write this one down. The first way that we give up is we give up in our attitudes. We give up in our attitudes. The battle happens first, not in our behavior, but in our hearts. The Bible says that we should guard our hearts because it is from our hearts that flows a wellspring of life. 
right? We, we, it's kind of out of our attitude and our heart that flows this life. And what happens is sometimes we can, in our attitudes, quit on something before we've quit on it in our behavior. Some of you might be that way right now in a relationship. You might be that way right now even in your relationship with Jesus. We give up in our attitudes. Number two, we give up in our thoughts. We give up in our thoughts what's going on in our mind. Because what happens in your heart is eventually going to happen in your mind. This is why the Apostle Paul would say we take captive every thought that so easily entangles us. Because when it starts showing up in our mind, that's not working. It's not worth it. They don't care. No, it's never going to make a difference. When those things start showing up, what's happening is there's been something that went derailed, that was derailed in our heart, and all of a sudden it's showing up in our mind. So it happens in our attitudes, then it happens in our thoughts, then it happens in our beliefs. All of a sudden, I don't believe that I can. I don't believe that there's anything that I can do that would make this different with you, we might say in a relationship. I don't believe that I can win with money. I don't believe that I can be forgiven. I don't believe that I can know peace. I don't believe that I can experience victory. And when our beliefs fall, number four, we give up in our actions. We give up in our actions. But I want you to see this this morning. While we are so prone to giving up, we have a relentless God that does not give up on us. See, while we may quit on him, our God will never quit on us. So let me just quickly share three parts of our relationship, three aspects of our relationship with, with God that, that he is never going to give up on. He is never going to give up on these with you. God is relentless. Number one, God's love is relentless. God's love is relentless. God loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And he doesn't love you because of what you do. He doesn't love you in spite of what you did. See, I want you to get, some of us just need to hear this this morning. There is nothing that you can do that will ever cause God to love you more. And there's absolutely nothing that you could do that would cause God to love you less. God's love is relentless. It's described in a verse that I read last week, but I want to read it again, Romans 8. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love is relentless. Number two, God's mercy is relentless. God's mercy is relentless. Mercy is an aspect of, of the justice of God. Justice means that when a wrong is done, there is retribution for that wrong. There's, there's somebody who does something bad gets paid back for it. But here's the beautiful thing. This is where it changes the, the ideas that we live with culturally, like karma, where you do something good and something good happens to you. You do something bad and something bad happens to you. The mercy of God derails that understanding. Because the mercy of God says that you should be punished, but I will withhold the punishment because I am a good God. 
because I love you, you should be punished. You should receive the payments for what you did that was evil and wrong. You should, but as a good God, he withholds those from you. I don't know about you, but I need God's mercy almost every day. Every day. I love Lamentations 3. Lamentations is an odd book. It's written by the the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because he just apparently was moved to tears a lot of times. And all of a sudden, as he's he's sharing this thing, he would would sense what God was doing and even the gravity of God's wrath and justice. And and all of a sudden, he would begin to cry as he was sharing what God was going to do. And then Lamentations 3 begins off with, with a lot of that at the very beginning. But in the middle of that chapter, the prophet Jeremiah says this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. It's relentless. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. Look at this. His mercies begin afresh every morning. His, his mercy is new every morning. I don't know about you, but, but I need that. I need that. I need that. When I wake up and that small voice inside your mind is just reminding you of everything that that you've done that should disqualify you from being a child of God, I want you to understand that the Bible tells us that the mercies of God are new every morning. He is relentless in his pursuit of you. And number three, God's grace is relentless. His grace is relentless is relentless. While mercy is withholding punishment that should be poured out on you, grace is pouring out favor and blessing on you that you didn't deserve. That you didn't deserve. There's no way that you could ever earn the grace of God. And there are many of us that are living in that grace today, and we see it, but there are some of us that don't. And I want your eyes to be open to the powerful grace of God that has been poured out on your life, that which we don't deserve, the blessings in our life that we could never have earned. Titus 2 speaks of this grace in verse 11 through 13, for the grace of God has been revealed bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. This grace has been revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ who gave himself to you and to me so that we could be made right with God the Father. We could never have earned that. We, we don't deserve it. It was something that God gave us because he wanted to love you. See, mercy and grace are kind of two sides of the same coin, and that coin is the love of God. And so for those of us in the room today that are more predisposed to giving up than some of the others, I want you to understand that you're probably going to give up. Some of you right now might be looking in your hearts and saying, you know what, I've already given up. I've given up in my attitudes. I've given up in my thoughts. I gave up when it got difficult. I gave up when it didn't go my way. I gave up when I had to wait long for God's blessings. 
But I want you to see, giving up doesn't have to become your identity. Just because you've given up, that doesn't mean that's the end of your story. There's one thing you can do that will forever alter your story if you've given up. And I want you to see this. It comes in Proverbs 24, verse 16. Though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. See, I think for some of us, we, we just need to be reminded, get up. Don't give up. Get up. Don't give up. Yeah, it didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. It got hard. The difficult journey is a real thing for you. And some of you got off the, the, the train at that point. You kind of got off the wagon. But here's the thing. I want you to just hear me this morning. Get up. Don't give up. Some of you gave up when things didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. And you realize that you weren't in control. And because you weren't in control, you gave up. You just took your hands off of it. I'm not doing this anymore. I want you to hear this again. Get up. Don't give up. Some of you today, you're in here. And you gave up because it didn't happen on your time. Just listen to me. Get up. Don't give up. The only way you remain defeated is if you refuse to give. get up and you give up. That is the only way. We're going to get tripped up. Not that we want to, not that we plan on it, but get up. Don't give up. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.